Welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. In this episode, we go deep. We talk about some deep water fly fishing techniques to help you get down to the fish. And we're talking that 20 foot plus zone. So we'll talk about all kinds of different methods to get down there. Sinking lines, intermediate, deep indicator, naked methods, the Captain Ron method. And we talk a little bit on why tippet rings suck. Uh, Taylor will be our co-host on this one as he's got a lot of sinking line expertise. Um, So it's a good one. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, thanks to our sponsors, Mystic Fly Rods, Adams Built Fishing, Monic Fly Lines, Loop Tackle, Battleborn Beer, and of course, Semper Fly. Got some awesome materials. We've been tying some killer midge patterns with that stuff. So get your hands on it. Do it. It's great. All right. Sit back and enjoy this podcast on Going Deep. Welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And we have our honorary co-host with us, Taylor T-Balls Baroon. Hey, how's it going, Nico? Pretty good. Sounding motivated over there, man. Are you doing some fly tying when I called in? Oh, man. Lots of tying. <laughs> Lots of tying? Oh, man. For Wednesday, too. Oh, Wednesday, Yes. Yes. Big, the big witness day, the glory of the uh, eastern slope of the eastern Sierras. It's wonderful. Yes, indeed. How are you sure. doing, Nico? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. And uh, yeah, and uh, what do you think we're going to talk about tonight? I think we're going to go deep, man. Like we're gonna we're gonna talk about depth, and we're gonna get into the weeds. Yeah, we're going to get in the weeds on this. I mean, uh, I mean, we're going to get so far in the weeds, we might get stuck. Might even have to get a charger plugged into my phone too. We'll see. You might want to. You <laughs> might want to do that. You might. Well, I don't think we're going to. Oh. I don't, I don't think mind. we're going to get. I don't think we're going to get that that far into the weeds. But anyway, so this podcast, we'll get to it because you're all wondering, like, what are these guys going to talk about. So. We're going to be talking about going deep. And what that means is we're going to talk about some uh, deep water uh, fly fishing tactics. And this is actually uh, a suggestion from one of our listeners, uh, Tristan. And it's kind of one of the first times we're actually doing like a full-on listener-requested podcast. But we like the challenge. We think it's fun. And uh, it's actually a great topic. And Tristan was... His question was, um, you know, it sounds like he's listened to some of the podcasts that we did with Phil and was a little bit more interested in, you know, how we're fishing uh, coronamids, leeches, jigs, etc. in the deep because we kind of touched on it a little bit. But briefly, you know, just just enough to maybe perk your interest in it. But we'll go over how, how we do it. Now, this isn't necessarily how everyone else does it, but this is how we do it on our waters. Um any of the still waters around here from wall to pyramid um, to Fight Club. Fight Club is a lake of which name we do not speak because it's that awesome. So we just call it Fight Club and we'll leave it up to you to figure it out. Uh, Crowley, um, I've used this technique recently on Bridgeport Reservoir going after the chunky stalkers. So still haven't figured out a deep water technique that combines a fly rod. And power bait. We'll get there one day. Because <laughs> no fly in the world is greater than the power of power bait in Bridgeport it, Reservoir. I'm just kidding. That's a, it's, it's a great have to involve not casting, <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's a whole. It's going to be a whole new thing. It could be like the new Euro nymphing. Ah, I cringe when I say that, but you know, it's like this new thing. It's going to happen one day. You know it. 
Yeah, it's um, common. It's common. So, so I'll go through a brief rundown of, of what we're going to talk. I think we're going to cover all the stuff that we use. So, um, deep water starts with the intermediate line, which is not necessarily deep, but for some of these uh, lakes and waters in the West, an intermediate line is a great way to slowly get down and cover some of the depths that some people have problems with. Um, and then we'll go through the three most popular sink line rates, like three, five, and seven, and how we use those. Uh, we'll touch briefly on indicators. Um, we kind of cap out at getting super deep with the indicator. I know a lot of people out there, especially if there's some growly, uh, <coughs> growly, some crowley guys listening, uh, they'll probably want to murder me after what I say about it. But um, there's an efficient way to do it, and then there's an inefficient way to do it. Um, and we'll talk about the straight naked methods with midge leeches. Uh, we'll talk about the Captain Ron method. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about everything between. But I think we'll touch a little bit on everything. And um, <coughs> I have, uh, excuse me, choking on water. Uh, <laughs> I got some methods I'm strong on. Taylor's got a lot of methods he's strong on. So we'll each speak to our, to our knowledge on, on each of these. So. Anyway, let's start with intermediate line tactics. Okay, so yeah. intermediate line, uh, you know, we're talking slow sink rates. What's the average, you would say, Taylor, like inch and a half to two and a half inches? Yeah, you like think? if you're getting heavy, yeah, for sure, you know. They're, they're, they're a weird line, you know. They're probably one a lot of people tend to overlook if they don't fish a lot of still water, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's letting that sucker sink slow and it's a great line for, for figuring out where they're eating at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. I think out here, like if you're familiar, like with like Lake Davis, um, that's a classic intermediate line lake, you know, where one of the most favorite techniques among some people, is intermediate line coupled with, you know, a midge or two. <clears throat> so you can kind of hang uh, a midge or a coronamid pattern um, in a specific depth range because there's a lot of shallow sections of that. And there's other there's other lakes out here that we fish that are shallow, um, you know, that have long running, shallow, sloping uh, weed beds. And a fast sink line or, you know, plunging something down into the weeds, it just isn't going to work. And this kind of gets you into that hover zone where you could slowly, slowly sink something. And once you find that zone, um, you could either stick with that intermediate method, you know, or then switch over to like an indicator technique at a set depth and then replicate uh, like your retrieve and whatnot at that specific depth. And I would say... Uh, you know, anything, you know, once you start getting past like nine feet, like that nine to 12 foot range kind of goes past, you know, where you need an intermediate line. So you're working, you're working a specific zone, you know, so from just right below subsurface, um, you know, down to that 12 foot mark. And you could, you know, if you're doing a slow, slow sink, you know, you're using an unweighted uh, fly, you know, like a unweighted leech damsel yeah yeah and and, you know what you kind of find is like if you're getting a lot of your bites when it's getting closer to the 12 foot mark Mm -hmm. you're probably better off switching you know for efficiency's sake of getting more bites and more fish with the time you have on the water you know switching to that weighted fly on a on an indicator if you're down toward you know on the deeper end of it Right. You know, instead of waiting for that line to sink all the way down to the 12, you can just get that chunky, heavy barometer down there with a little weight, you know. Right. And like I said, like like you mentioned, it's a great it's a great searching line. Um, and then again, if you're finding them in a specific water column where you got that timing down, you know, if it's falling at an inch and a half, let's say inch and a half to two inches a second, um, you could kind of measure out, you know, where you're sitting. And sometimes yeah, you could eat the fish tail, you know, like, yeah, not, yeah, not dry, you know, like it's, it's the Cadillac line. It is a Cadillac line and it's, if, you know, if they're just hitting right under the surface within a few feet, you know, like classic would be a damsel, you know, um, say they're hitting damsels and, uh, 
you know, you're just working that top section, then immediately recasting, working that top section and, and recasting, you know, but like you said, well, once you find that depth, <coughs> um, you can go to the indicator method. So uh, that's pretty straightforward. And the immediate lines, most commonly you'll find them in clear, clear lines. Um, like I'm a big fan of the Monic, the Henley, the clear, um, that's pretty awesome. It's got a nice slow sync rate and it's clear. I mean, you're, you're yeah. And I mean, you can get up close, you could run a shorter leader on that and get up close to the fish without spooking them, you know, or shadowing the fish with that line. But yeah. from that, yeah. And I mean, that's the intermediate line scoop right there. So it's not necessarily deep water, but just so you guys know. Um, so let's, let's run into the, the three most popular sink rates, three, five, and seven. All right. So my favorite, my favorite is the three. And I, and I say that just because of, I've had a couple of good seasons with three at Pyramid. Because um, when you get into that strip game, at certain times of the year there, uh, you're not dealing with super deep water. And, and I, <laughs> it's kind of a false three. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I have that, that sink three and I usually couple it with a weighted streamer in conjunction with a beetle or, or some other tagged um, fly, right? That's working at the time. And the reason is because I can get an arc on that line. The, the line is slower sinking. I could get that streamer, usually a yak, um, get that down into the sand. And as I retrieve, it pulls that yak up off the sand and then drops down again. Pulls up, drops down, pulls up, drops down. Versus having a heavier sinker, sinking line that's already buried in the sand. And not that the other method doesn't work, it does. But it's just a preference thing. That's all for me. And yeah, sink it's, yeah. It's, oh, go sorry. Ahead. It's quite go. simply changing the action. You know, you're getting a little different type of action out there. You know, with that lighter. You know, you're compensating your sink rate with that that heavier fly. Right. To still get down to depth, but now it's going up and down. Right. You know, the power up instead of, you know, such as a beetle where, you know, like me, I run those heavier ones and a beetle, you know, you're pulling it down and then lightly up, you know. Like right. It's, 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 it's actually just good. It's just the complete opposite of the streamer. <laughs> I'm, I want to pull that streamer up and let it drop versus the beetle where you want that line down. And then when you pull that line, um, that beetle draws down, then floats up. I'm trying to do the opposite with this. So, yeah, so that that's my that's my use for the sink three, and the classic use for the sink three. It's really popular with with um, like washing line techniques that include like a booby fly, right? So you have the you have the booby at the end, and then you have one or two like weighted nymphs or flies in the middle in the belly of that line, right? So you're getting a you, you can work it you based on how much um, flotation that that booby fly has. And how much weight you have with your other attached elements, you can hover. You can hover in a zone. You can hover like you can get that, and you're like, yeah, I think I know this is going to hover in six to nine feet or whatever. So you can work particular zones, and that's that's literally really getting in the weeds on that type of sinking line. So that that's my preference. That sink three. Um, that one's not for everyone. The more more popular ones out here, and I'll let Taylor speak to these, are sink five and seven. So. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your preference on? Um, I mean, obviously, we just we just hit on pyramid. There's not much more you can say about that. You're like, dude, I'm trying to get beetles down. I want that line, and I want that line in the sand, and I want to draw those beetles down on every tree. But why why would you use a five and a seven? Let's say on any other um, still water application. What what are you trying to accomplish there? Yeah, so like five and seven, um, you know, it's all on preference. Like we talked about with intermediates and, you know, even the sink three a little bit, you know, you're kind of, you do a little more waiting, right? To get, you know, if it's all unweighted to get your stuff down. Right. Um, the five and sevens, you start sinking pretty fast. Um, the drawbacks, those are good to mention, right? The weeds on the bottom, right? That's what yep. pyramid does great with it. Not a ton of weeds most of the time or rocks. Um, depending on where you're fishing there. Right. But, um, you know, when it comes to float tubing and covering some water and other lakes, um, you know, that's the other thing. Those fives and sevens are not a lot of fun from shore because you got to try not to get stuck on your way back, you know, stripping them in. Um, but, you know, mm. mainly float tubes. Um, I really enjoy them, you know, off boats and things. Um, what's nice about it, 
you know, those faster rate sync lines is, um, you can do, you know, you can throw your little hemostats on the end, find out the depth right below you, and then, you know, reel up all the rest of your slack line, you know, and maybe an extra foot on that and literally cast, you know, with said midge, said, you know, streamers, whatever you want, jig streamers, unweighted, weighted, um, and start really getting a little past that, you know, 15 foot mark and still have that connection to your flies um you know so like for me i i use like a sink seven a lot you know it's usually my pyramid line but i use it a lot when i'm float tubing to really explore those deeper depths of water you know we're talking the temps start kind of going up on the surface you have um predatory trout um such as lake trout um you know, they tend to hang in those, you know, 40 foot ranges a lot of the times of the year where, you know, you can try indoing, I guess, but you're going to have quite the, uh, <laughs> right. quite the, uh, the, the line hanging off the tip of your fly line there. But, um, you know, um, on top of that, you know, once you start playing deep, you got to start thinking about, Hey, if that, you know, it's not, not a method you want to fish like 150 feet deep, <laughs> Because, right. uh, you know, if you're planning on releasing those fish, right. um, that pressure change is going to screw with them. But, but you know, getting down to like that, you know, anywhere from 15 to, to uh, you know, I would say 50 foot mark if you were really looking for fish that deep. Um, it lets you cover that water and get down there quick to figure out what's working, get, the, get those flies where you think those fish are. Um, you know, if you have a fish find or something like that, you... You know, it, it cuts the time waiting for that sink for sure. For right. Those heavier lines. And then when you throw those those weighted streamers on, you know, you can make your sink seven, a, a sink nine or ten, you know, depending right. on what, what the heck you throw on the tip there if you're really going deep. Right. Um, right. You know, so, you know, you've seen, you know, you've gone out with me, Nico, and sometimes those fish are really hugging bottom. and Yep. You know, some of those methods, you know, you're just waiting too long and you're wondering if you have the right fly on. But those those heavier sink lines just let you when you know they're deep, it lets you throw more flies down there to see what the heck's going on with those fish, um, you know, and get you catching fish faster, too, when you're exploring new lakes and things. Right. And we'll 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 cover that that type of method where we're using the sink line to our advantage. Um, but why don't we describe really quick? So, I mean, I think. There's there's two quick ways to figure out your depth, and I think that's that's quite important. To figure out depth one would be with a depth finder of some sort. So if you're on a boat, you, you got a fishing boat, you probably have electronics to figure that out. Um, if not, you know if you have a tube or a raft or um, you know maybe a, a drift rig or something, you know some guys outfit them with with depth finders, you know so they they can at least figure out the depth. Um, you know, maybe, maybe mark some fish, you know, and kind of see where they're hanging, you know. So, you know, let's see, you had a depth finder. And I think that's a big plus to the depth finder and the fish finder is basically, okay, oh, look, I'm sitting on 20 feet of water. Okay, so that's my max depth and the fish are hanging at three feet above the bottom. All right, so I need to be, you know, around 17 feet. So that, that takes the work out before you're like, okay, well, I can figure that out. I can do the math on my own here. I can figure that out. However, um, if you don't have the fish finder, um, why don't you run us through your method? Um, it's a classic method of um, trying to determine the depth at which you are sitting. Yeah, I mean, you know, either have a really heavy fly jig, something like that, that'll drop to the bottom super quick, or, you know, the hemostats are... Just hook them on the tip of your point fly and drop them down. You know, most of us have hemostats with us, you know, something right. that clamps on. Obviously, don't cast it. Just drop it over the side of your tube. Right. And then, uh, you know, kind of watch that line go down. And then when it stops sinking, you know, memorize that point. Maybe reel your line into that point where you're going to be fishing, you know. And you tell yourself, hey, that's that's the max depth so you know if there are weeds on the bottom you know maybe you can say cool i pull up my pliers and now there's weeds all over them that's a good sign there's weeds on the bottom yeah. but um you know 
then you reel up maybe another foot or two, um, you know, to compensate for the, the weed length, depending on the weeds, of course, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then what I like to do is I like to start, you know, if I have no idea what level the fish are eating at, you know, I, I strip a couple of strips in with line kind of guesstimate, you know, like, let's say it's 25 feet, right. Um, I'll strip it all the way until I only have maybe 10, 10 feet of line hanging out at the, the tip of my rod and I'll start fishing, you know, that deeper side of things, right. That 10 foot mark. So I'll strip in until I have about 10 feet hanging out and I'll just cast that 10 foot out, 10 feet of line, let all that sink. You know, if I have leeches and things like that, I might kind of, you know, jig my rod slightly. If I have some jigged leech type patterns or, right. you know, if I have chrominids, I'll let them sit, you know, and just keep recasting, simulating that rising and falling of chrominids, you know, as well as, you know, you got millions of other bugs, you know, whatever you know about them, you know, fish them that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, if I'm not having any luck and I don't have a fish finder, right, you can't see where the fish are hanging out. Then I let another you know, five, you know, two to five feet out, cast it back out until I hit that max length. And then I'm like, shoot, nothing's going on. Switch flies, you know? Right. Right. Start and over. Then, and then we could talk a little bit about that. We'll go into the, um, into like the naked methods here. But before we do that, let's, let's talk about like max steps on indicator. Um, I would, I would say, Hey, you know, when you find that zone, like let's let's say we we found the fish. You know, hey, the fish bottom is, or lake bottom is nineteen feet. You know, and then we're like, okay, so that means you know we prob <laughs> we probably it, it, theoretically say, hey, well, I want to fish eighteen feet. You know, I want to fish a foot off the bottom. Right? We think that we think that's the top of the weed line or the bottom. That's generally where the fish are going to be. And then you could double down, you could cover depth. So another, you know, three to four feet above that, you can tag your next fly. And then from that, you could determine, you know, on where they're hitting. Because sometimes, the majority of the time, I notice on this, on this deep water fishing, they're going to hit the bottom fly. However, if you get a hover on those midges or those, those chronomid pupa coming up, um, you know, sometimes they'll hover a little bit. They'll, like blood midges, they'll come up do their little dance and they'll go down up and down up and down or they'll get caught in a little you know like a little some type of thermocline or whatever and they get stuck there so the fish will shift going oh look here's a cloud of chronomids and they'll go through and start scooping them up there so i digress we'll go back i i would say with the indicator method i mean once <laughs> once you hit that you know <laughs> anything past 16 kind of sucks you know that that's a, that's a lot of here. It is what happens. So you got you got a ton of you got a ton of leader out there, right? Got a lot. Um, castability sucks. And granted, you're not casting that far from the boat because you're not casting out to get depth. Depth's right underneath you. So I mean, you're literally dropping that off the boat or the float tube or pontoon or whatever you have. So you're dropping that straight down. However, you got you got some things working against you. The longer that that leader gets, um, the longer it's going to take for you to react to a bite. And think about that with the stretch on the line, especially like if you're using a, you know, if you got a fluorocarbon or even have a combination fluorocarbon monofilament, you got a lot of stretch there. You know, so from the time that that fish taps on that fly to the time that indicator goes down, you could <clears throat> lose enough time there, you know, to miss that strike. Is that common? No, usually they'll grab and go and you got the fish, you know, but if you're getting soft takes or fish are being, you know, finicky. And here's the other thing is when you draw that in, you know, now you're running that, um, you know, like that monofilament leader through your fly guides, which isn't the worst thing in the world. However, not preferred, you know, when we're working with a fly rod, right? So I would say like that 16 to 19 range is kind of like it for me. Um, and that, that's when we start looking at like our straight naked methods, you know, naked methods or straight naked methods. And this is something that we touched on, you know, with our, our Phil Rowley and Brian Chan podcast is, you know, they spoke of this briefly, but we can talk to a little bit more as far as, you know, why you would use that. Why, you know, instead of like saying, oh, God, I got to go 30 feet deep because like, like 
like Crowley. There's times where you'll go, you know, into that 20 plus, you know, 30 foot plus range. And you got guys out there, you know, drop shotting and stuff like that. Hell, man, that's a lot of line to have out. Like, why, why are you even using a fly rod? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I well, mean, the, that, yeah. the answer is, is because that's what you like to do. And that's because of what you have on board. But it's like, you might as well throw a spin rod off the side. Like, what does it matter? You know, so let's talk about maximum strike detection. Maximum strike detection. Uh, maximum manageability of depth. Um, quick sink rate. And a fun way to fish. So that straight naked method, you would use your heaviest sink line, like a sink seven, and a straight sink. You know, try not to have you know, any of those uh, sink lines with any bell curves in it, you know, not like a, a sink seven to five to three or whatever. You want that straight, just straight, straight seven. Boom. And you could run a shorter leader on this, right? Reduce because we're stretch, yeah. Right. Reduce the stretch and we're just getting down to that target zone. Right. So we, we could run a, a nominally sized leader, seven to nine feet, maybe seven doesn't need to be that long and even running a tag off that and the stretch in a sink line is pretty much non-existent <laughs> yeah so so there's not even watching an indicator so we use that method on how we mark our depth right so okay we're gonna fish 25 feet of water right we we get the, the hemostats at the end of that line we drop those hemostats down we see the slack go in the line right then we reel our reel up to the rod tip hits the water. We lift up. We mark our line how we want to seem fit, you know, deem fit. Um, and then, okay, there's our depth. And then you get your rig on there, and then you get it down, and you go to town. So basically, you don't have to watch an indicator. It's just basically hanging, hanging that um, that midge or that leech at that depth, basically till fish takes it. I mean, because you're gonna know. I mean, basically, with that type of that type of setup, fish hits you. That tip's going down, and you're just lifting up, you know. So, I mean, of course, you got to be mindful of you know where you're holding the rod tip. You know, we all our eyes will tend to wander, and you know we'll raise our lower tip. So, you know, just figure out where that sweet spot is, and uh, you know, keep it there. So, I mean, that that's I mean, that's a straight naked in a nutshell, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's discipline, you know. That's it. It's discipline. Focus. Yeah. It, the nice thing is you got maximum control on the reel end too, because you have you have fly rod to fly line contact the whole time, right? And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I don't know how much. How much deeper you go to that straight naked method? It's just straight naked, you know. So yeah, and and you're less prone to tangle, get gnarled up. If you, if you do lose a rig for whatever reason, again less material. You're just you know cutting another seven piece, you know seven foot piece or nine foot piece. You know tying a tag on there and going. I mean it could just be straight, just straight one weight. You don't need to taper anything down. Just boom, just like yeah, you know, I'm fishing. I'm fishing 12 pound or whatever, you know, at that depth. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the fish care, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? No. It's a different and type then, of visibility down there. So, yeah. And then, you know, with that, there's adaptability, you know, like I know some guys that they'll run like a straight, you know, 15 pound fluorocarbon, you know, and just run that connected to their fly line way out of the tip, you know, through all their eyes and they'll literally right. tight line nymph off a boat you know like yeah you're going right. off their boat oh dear you know and that's and that yeah. you know that works too you know it it's a, it's a flexible method you know right but it's the same you know you're getting to the same nuts and bolts you know right right absolutely um and this brings us to one of my favorite fun methods and i use this primarily at pyramid lake and that's the captain ron method Aptly named after the movie Captain Ron, because he's just going for it. And um, the same thing; it's it's a straight naked method. Basically, it's a jig method, right? So you know, now your sink line won't matter on this, whether it's a three, five, or seven. 
I mean, he could probably use a float line too, and you'll understand <laughs> why. But I'm saying a sink line's great, um, just because you don't. It just helps. It just helps you get down, um, and, and easier to manage the line. So, I, I've done this. Mainly, I've been doing this with a sink three, um, but you probably should use a sink five or seven on this. Um, so the pyramid lake method on this is basically early season or late season when the fish are deep and they're chasing bait balls and strictly bait fish. Um, you'll get out in your boat to pontoon, etc. And this is where we're tying a pretty heavyweight fly at the end of our line. It's like rock fishing in the ocean. We're literally, yeah, we're literally, yeah, we're literally tying something pretty massive on the end. Um, let's say like i'll give you an example i use like a three eighths to half ounce head striking jig setups that's a bass setup so you got a massive hook on there massive jig head uh, and you tie it to the bat- pattern of a bait fish so that's your bottom fly and then you'll then you'll tag it with something that rep- represents like a two-e chub you know another you know three to four feet above it on a tag and i'm usually running like 20 pound line on this um, sometimes 20 to swivel to 15. Um, swivel is nice at depth um, just to keep you from getting tangled up, especially with such a heavy a heavy jig on there. Um, it has nothing to do with a breakaway point or anything like that. It just strictly prevents line twist um, and, and maximum presentation of those flies. And same method. So I don't have to tie on hemostats for this one. This is how I find the depth. I drop that rock of a jig straight down it hits bottom you get slack i'll reel that and when i see the slack i'll reel that rod tip down to it hits the surface of the water now there's complete tension between my rod tip and that fly line all the way down to the bottom and then what i'll do is i'll reel with my reel i have a large arbor reel that i use for this um uh, it's the uh, this one. I mean, particularly like either like the loop cues or like the loop opties. You got a big, large arbor, so I'll do like I don't know four or five turns on the reel, get it about a foot, foot and a half off the bottom, and then from there, you know, then I'll do like you know one one foot rips, right? I'll lift up like a foot, and boom, let it sink, and then you'll feel that on the rod tip. Lift up, let it sink. You'll feel that on the rod tip, and if you're moving in the process, you'll feel you'll feel when you hit the bottom. If you run into a shallower section, you'll feel the drag. You'll get slack, and you just reel up and compensate. Or if you drag into deeper water, same thing. You just drop, you know, until you get slack and rinse and repeat. Reel it up a few times. And you just constantly make those adjustments, and I'll tell you what: when you get a fish on, boy, you know it. Oh, Better yeah. be, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it'll know, get you. Yeah. Like besides pyramid, you know, that's a fantastic technique for, you know, your lake trout and Tahoe, um, you know, twin lakes, you get those massive browns, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, and there's two each other yeah. twin lakes too, you know, like it's, it's a great method for, you know, those big, massive, deep lakes that you just got a lot of water to cover and you still want to fly fish. You don't want to throw on your power bait or. <laughs> right. You know. Right. I, I do have to, I do have to warn you though, that you probably want to get a dedicated rod for this because I've done it with lighter rods and it's, it's fun, but it's, you know, it's a little bit more work. So, you know, if you go into your, you know, nine foot range rods, um, and trust me, I've used my switch rods with this. It's hilarious, but it works, you know, but you get much more positive hook set with say like a, a nine foot eight weight, uh, nine weight or even a 10 weight uh, because you do have a considerable amount of weight at your end i mean a, a three eighths to a half ounce jig head at the end of a fly rod is a lot and i warn you do not do not feel like you ever have to cast this you can't you cannot cast it there's no need to cast it you just drop that sob down to the bottom and that's it yeah there's no it's, it's like you're a fish in a river right you're not casting across the river to the fish you're trying to walk and walk right to the fish as close as possible right right you know, no exactly human error yeah no exactly you yeah, know that's exactly it you know yeah no tippet rings <laughs> i have that in my notes here you can hear my my notes no tippet rings we stay away from those um 
it was funny. We were just talking about this before the podcast. I was watching a segment from Huge Fly Fisherman. He's got some cool little videos. And uh, Taylor introduced <laughs> that guy to me. <laughs> I'm watching. Yeah, he's got some no-nonsense stuff. I love it. Yeah, I love his little segment on tippet rings, which is true. Hey, we're talking about it. Like, I have right over here. No tippet rings slash scam. It's a big scam, in my opinion. So I'm a big user on swivels. I use swivels in the craziest places. I use them a lot at Pyramid. I've been using them a lot lately on the East Walker. It's funny. But with those currents and stuff like that, and you know, fishing, you know, quick pocket water and quick runs, it's nice because you just don't get you don't get any line twists going on. Um, kind of like a still water, it's a little extra weight to get things down. And man, I got I got nymphs almost right next to that swivel. I'm catching fish, you know, like it doesn't fish don't care about a swivel, you know. But probably you have to swivel half the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, do, do you <laughs> have to use one? Yeah, they probably are. But, I mean, do you have to? Do you have to use on a river? No, you know. But I just like them. You get more bang for your buck. I mean, I, I was looking at some tippet rings the other day, and. Well, eleven ninety five or something like that for I don't know how many you get. I don't know if you even get a dozen of those. And you yeah, can barely see them. Many in most of the packs. No, and then you can just go and you can pick up like some. What are those? I just named them. Oh, VMCs like VMC brand or there's another brand. You can get a a package of like a dozen swivels for half the price, and you're getting three times the material with no line twist. Well, I just made an adage. You ready for it? I'm ready. Go for it. Swivels have tippet rings, but tippet rings don't have swivels. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you should start selling. You should start selling yeah. swivels. I like it. It's a bumper sticker. Hurry up and trademark that. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's already taken. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's already taken. Just like that. Just like that. It's already gone. It's already gone. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. So there you have it. We kind of covered. So we covered the intermediate line, the sinks three, five, and seven. I mean, it, and each of these little things we can get into the weeds on, but we won't because um, there's all kinds of different sinks you can get into. Like I said, you got tapered sinks and straight sinks. Indicator fishing, we just Your briefly touched on more or less. With a is it a beetle? Is it a one ounce jig? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, the straight naked methods, the Captain Ron method for pyramid. Um, yeah, stay away from tippet rings on any of these applications. If you're going to use a connecting element, use a swivel. Just like I said, eliminates line twist. Um, adds an extra sinking element for still water applications. Um, you know, and it's a nice, it's a a nice little feature to have. Um, and in the case of still water, you can manage that leader material a little bit better um, instead of having to constantly break that leader to tie into it. Um, even though knots are the weakest point of any line uh at least with the swivel you have some give there um to relieve that knot of uh any undue tension so or human error or human error <laughs> which there's a lot of i've been doing yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah it is the biggie so hey on this section i'm going to segue straight straight into food uh, this is really important to talk about. Um, did a little deviation from the burritos, um, even though this is a, a, cl- a very close cousin of the burrito. Um, Sinner, you bastard. You bastard. Well, for the situation, this worked out, and you'll understand why. So recently <laughs> recently did a trip. Um, uh, my buddy uh, Jason and I did a uh, trip over to the uh, – uh, Shiraini Ranch section of the um, East Walker River, which you know is it's a private section, it's a two point two yeah. mile section. So, and I got a couple of trips coming up. I got I got two more trips coming up for the month of June. I could probably squeeze one or two more in. So if anybody's listening is interested in that trip, um, we could set those trips up. Um, or if you wanted a a full guided trip on the California section. We're going to do just a handful of those too. So, on the East Walker, that's that's a gem of a river. But we'll get to it before it gets too hot. Anyway, digressing. Lunch. So, weather's warming up, right? Um, love doing the burritos for breakfast on Pyramid because we could put all kinds of luxurious proteins in there. 
and like get you totally filled up. But we'll kind of get to that point where I'm not going to steer away from breakfast burritos, but I'm going to steer away from doing burritos at lunch just because I want people to keep fishing after lunch and not yeah, going to comatose. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and yeah, because you can easily overload a burrito. I go nuts on burritos. I just keep cramming them full of stuff, and uh, it gets crazy. So, as a control element, uh, I utilize the uh, the taco. There you go. The taco, yeah, and not, and and I use you know the authentic corn tortillas, not the hey I'm a white guy, soft flour tortillas. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, there is a place for flour sometimes. It does. There, the there's flour. a place yeah. for flour, but it's not. It's not on the East Walker. Sorry, <laughs> it's not on the East Walker. And so, try some special. I like to share this with everyone. So, fish tacos uh, needed something simple to cook up uh, that was flavorful and that wouldn't draw us down for the rest of the trip. So, got two fillets of barramundi. That's right, barramundi. It's an Australian sea bass. <laughs> it's Australian sea bass. Yeah, a crocky. <laughs> um, and it's great, easy to pan fry. So I had that, had the cabbage, had the, had the uh, corn tortillas, and made a jalapeno, uh, jalapeno cilantro garlic crema sauce form. Out of this world. Oh, man. It was out of this world, so took um jalapenos diced them up uh cilantro a whole bunch not like a whole bunch but a bunch like the like the bunch you know it's tied with a tie tie yeah that kind of bunch not like a whole bunch like dude i got a whole bunch of cilantro no literally a whole bunch <laughs> of that chop that up uh the garlic chop that up put it in the food processor sour cream mayo lime juice some special spices blended that up put it into a big squeeze tube cylinder and it was freaking phenomenal you know there's something special about mayo on a taco though like your your chipotle mayos or any kind of oh yeah it just you know mixing mayo and sour cream is yeah it lightens it up and it it makes it you know, because right, you're avoiding that comatose feeling, and it and it just kind of it spreads that love of that mayo out to where it doesn't, you know, make yeah. you want to eat twenty tacos and then well, in the bushes. Well, you can't eat anything too lean, right? Like the fish taco is too healthy by itself. So yeah, you know, yeah, we need to fatten that thing up. I mean, need plenty of saturated fat, right? And uh, yeah, we get it with that. You know, then you up the uh, the calorie count, but the flavor profile was great. Anyway, Jason had this great idea because we were parked off to the side of the bridge. There's a little wooden trestle bridge that crosses the section on the ranch, and there's like no wind over here. <laughs> and I'm making this stuff, and he tells me he's like, "Yeah, oh, man." He's like, "Hey, I'm moving the chairs over here." I'm like, "Why?" And he's like, "Trust me." So we go and we eat the lunch on on the bridge overlooking the river and it's because the river has a draft to it with the wind. So we had this perfect wind in our face, just sitting on the bridge, eating these fish tacos. It was epic. It was epic. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Sounds wonderful. Right. Right. Guaranteed. They tasted better than any of those trout in that river. I love Probably. fishing for trout, but I'm just not a fan of eating them. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, there's only a few, I mean, brook trout, I will say I do enjoy those every once in a while, but it's on the it's on the rarity, you know. Right. Right. Well. Anyway, that was exciting. Yeah. No, it sounds yeah. like it, man. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we we got into the weeds a little bit. I think. I mean, I can't think how to get in the weeds more on it, you know, like, unless you're just. Yeah, we don't want to get too far on it. I mean. Look, we're already like forty some minutes into it. We don't want to bore people, but I just want everyone to have the basic the basic feel for. Okay, these are our methods. This is how we do it. And I mean, if you have any more questions on this, um, uh, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll we'll do our best to answer your question. 
uh, you could go to bearfishalliance.com and I got plenty of connection points on there, whether it's the contact page or I got a little pop-up page. I think that it's on every page, ask a question um, or send us a message via the Instagram. You could do that as well. Um, and and we'll, we'll do our best to dis- dissect what your, uh, your question might be. But these are all the methods that we use in our local waters and that work for us you know so um if you have any questions on it please let us know but you know hopefully this helps you out and and as we i mean we're still in a nice place in the season where fish really aren't hunkering down too deep you know we do find deep fish but as as the summer rolls on and progresses um this is going to become more of a tactic that you're going to want to focus on um, on still waters, you know, as they, they pull. as we avoid the rivers, as they get a little too toasty too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah. we'll see that coming too, you know, with, you know, the Truckee river, we'll see it at some point. Um, it's still flowing good. I was there today and it was, it was really, it was really cooking along. And I remember at this time last year, it was not cook. It, it was not moving along and it was warm. And, uh, I have kept off that river for a while and focused on still waters. Um, but it's flowing good right now. Um, the East Walker River is going to run into that problem, too. It has a lower flow rate. Uh, you know, it's controlled. Uh, it's got irrigation control. So basically, there's there's a flow that it's going to flow at right now. You know, we're in the low 100s, and that's going to dive off, you know, into the into the 70s. And at some point, when it hits the 40s uh, on the CFS scale, and then it starts getting hotter, it's going to get too hot to fish. So you're going to have to look towards other lakes in that area. Um, you know, Bridgeport, Crowley, Virginia, Twin, um, some of the other higher elevation lakes, and they're all a bunch of fun. So, um, no, yeah, no shortage of fishing uh, in in the area. You know, so whether you're coming up from Southern California, the Bay Area, uh, Northern Nevada, Reno area, you know, or Southern Nevada, or out of Utah or wherever, to come fish out this way. Um, yeah, no shortage of fisheries. You're just gonna have to stay off the uh, stay off the rivers. That's why we stick to still water anyway. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, all right, there it all is. Right, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We're just going to keep going and talking and talking. But, um, yeah, so if the listeners, if you have any suggestions on anything you like uh, for us to focus on that you've heard in past podcasts that you'd like us to emphasize on or a topic you'd like us to cover, we'll do it potentially if it's cool enough. It's a, if it's a dumb idea, <laughs> it'd be a hard pass. You know, Nico will tell you too. I will. I'm being nice in this <laughs> podcast, but I'll just lay it out there for you. Uh, pretty much the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If it is the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever heard, and if there's any Euro nymphing topics, just just shove it. Keep it to yourself. Not going to talk about it. We talk fly fishing. Um, no cheating here. So anyway, right. you know, it is what it is, man. Just got to be honest. It's all good. Yeah, you know. So anyway. All right, guys. Thanks again, Taylor, for taking the oh, time. Thank you, Nico. And uh, always a yeah. pleasure. Always a pleasure. And and Taylor and I have a have a quick trip coming up here in the few days, and maybe we'll cap off on that and let you know how how that went on a micro tip podcast. But we won't disclose it. We won't disclose the location, <clears throat> East Walker River, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's a big river. We could be going anywhere on that. So. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Running Yerington. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Yerington. That's my favorite section. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, all right, guys. Thanks again. And until next time, tight lines. When I was a little boy upon my daddy's knee, he used to tell me stories of the big fish in the sea. But the tale I fancied most took place in our hometown about a living legend by the name of Madison Brown. A German speckled beauty, gold around her gills, three feet long from head to tail and older than the hills. Graceful as a dancer, faster than a blade, she used to taunt the fishermen who were secretly afraid of Madison Brown. Somewhere in the icy deep beneath the mossy crown lies the queen of the river by the name of Madison Brown, Madison Brown. Seldom seen and never caught, 
She lives a life of charm From the railroad bridge to the waterfall Down by Duncan's farm And in the spring when the water clears And the mayflies start to dance The town folk come to the riverside To line up for a chance at Madison Stormy sky, old Jackie Taylor hooked her on a homemade damselfly. She fought with wild abandon till his arm turned blue. He finally played her to his side. She laid there by his shoe. But as he reached down with his net, she took off in the air. Old Jackie swears she hollered that you'll never catch me here. Then he tried once more in vain, but his reel had turned to stone. And in his other hand, he held the twisted fly that she had thrown. Somewhere in the icy deep beneath the mossy crown lies the queen of the river by the name of Madison Brown. Madison Brown. Midnight snack. Then in the deathly silence, she took off with my fly. As she raced before me, she winked her steely eye. The dawn just lit the mountains when she finally came to shore. I trembled at her beauty, was shaken to the core. So don't tell this to anyone, but I let her slip away. Back to this old river where she still rules today, Madison. Fifty years have come and gone, I lie awake at night And I dream about a river and the time I held her tight Somewhere in the icy deep beneath the mossy crown Lies the queen of the river by the name of Madison Brown Madison Brown Madison Brown